Shalom Aleichem, everybody. <clears throat> Welcome again. We are today uh, going to leave Hilchot uh, Tfilah and Kriyat Torah for a moment. And this week we are going to be focusing on the laws of Tisha B'Av that uh, is, uh, we're going to fast on, on, on Sunday, unless the Beit HaMikdash is built before then. But uh, Notwithstanding that possibility, we're going to learn the laws of Tisha B'Av, as specifically this year is slightly different than other years, because Tisha B'Av actually falls out on Shabbat. Um, and the next day, Sunday, is actually Yud uh, B'Av, even though uh, we are going to fulfill, it's called Tisha B'Av Yom Rishon, it is postponed to, to Sunday. But there are some ramifications. And those ramifications we'll discuss both in terms of Hilchot Shabbos. Are there going to be differences regarding how our Shabbat is going to look uh, this coming Shabbat? And in terms of Tisha B'Av or the fast, which will be fasting on Sunday. Okay, so let's, uh, let's begin. I'm going to share my screen. And the first thing that we're going to see is a major difference that we have this year to all other years is... Erev Tisha B'Av. Erev Tisha B'Av, usually we have certain halachot that kick in. The most prominent of it is the Sudam of Seket, but there are other halachot that we'll discuss, such as uh, Talmud Torah, that we'll see also has ramifications for this Shabbat. So let's focus on the Sudam of Seket. The Mishnah tells us that Erev Tisha B'Av that there are basically three different prohibitions. Prohibition number one is you're not allowed to have a fancy meal. What's considered a fancy meal? Erev Tisha two different foods. So two different foods, the Gemara goes into discussion, how you define those foods. Um, let's just take a classic case. An egg and a fish would be considered two, two different foods. And that would theoretically be problematic. Not only uh, is there a problem of having two foods, but there's also a problem of having meat and drinking wine. If you notice, the mission is talking about a few hours before Tisha B'Av. Adin, that is the problem. Our minhag is that we took those isurim of eating meat and drinking wine and extended it through the nine days for Ashkenazim, for Svarim, they uh, extended it to Shavuot, the week of Tisha B'Av. However, most Svarim in this year didn't have a Shavuot Shechalbo because the, the, the simple uh, reasoning of the Shulchan Aruch is basically when Tisha B'Av falls out the way it does in this year on Shabbos and then his Nidche is postponed to Yom Rishon, the Svarim didn't really have a Shavuot Shechalbo, at least the majority of opinions of the Kafachaim and the Benishchai, that's how they paskened. Um, there are other Svaradim that said there was still Shavuot Shechalbo. But in any event, everyone agrees that Me'ikaradin, the problem of eating wine and uh, of eating meat and drinking wine, is only Erev Tisha B'Av. And that would imply that, um, that that's Me'ikaradin. So what happens this year? This year, we basically... Erev Tisha B'Av is, well, if Tisha B'Av, we move it to Sunday. So Erev Tisha B'Av falls out on Shabbos. So what happens on Shabbat in such a case? Are you allowed to eat? A, so does, is there a din of Sudam of Seket? So I'm just going to almost skip all the halachot of Sudam of Seket for this year for the simple reason is that the Shulchan Aruch Paskin, um, if we go down um, over here, um, sorry, where is the Shulchan Aruch? I'm skipping. Uh, yeah, the Shulchan Aruch says, um, oh, here we go. Source number 20. Says the Shulchan Aruch in Arachim, Taf Kuf Nun Bet Seif Yud. If Tisha B'Av falls out on Sunday, or Shechal Tisha B'Av B'Shabbat, 
or it falls out on Shabbat, which is our case this year. And there's a distinction between the two, and people sometimes get confused. But there is a halachic distinction. This year is actually more chamur because Tisha B'Av actually falls out on Shabbat. But regarding the Nidchelach on Shabbat, and it's, it's postponed to Sunday, Ochel Basar Yain Mapseket, you're allowed to eat meat and drink wine in your Sudam Mapseket, the last meal before the fast. And you're allowed to eat on uh, on Sudash Lishit like a Sudat Shlomo Amelech. So based on this, all of the halachot that we skipped about how you define two tafshilim and uh, all the limitations don't apply. Generally, we when we the, the minag brought down by uh, by but the Shulchan Aruch and the Ramah is that we have a, a set meal after the afternoon, and then if you and then you have, if you have intention to have another meal, so that main meal isn't considered the Sudam of second. So we generally have a regular meal with all types of foods and salads, etc. And then afterwards we have another meal where we wash our hands and we cover our suda, basically bread, and we dip it in a bit of ash to fulfill the uh, sukim from Echa. But that's the minak. All of that is in a regular year. This year, there's no din of Sudam of second. What does that mean? So here comes a few other halachot that we don't have in this uh, shir. So I'll say it pair. So does that mean one is allowed to carry on eating? Um, generally, we're allowed to eat Sudash Rishit until you break, uh, until you bring Shabbat out. So the answer is no. You have to stop eating by Shkia. So one has to stop eating bashkia, but theoretically one is still able to do birkat amazon after shkia. Uh, if one wants to drink, uh, if one does birkat amazon with a kos before shkia, then after shkia, you, the, the, before, before sunset, then after saying birkat amazon, you're allowed to drink the cup. If it's after shkia, then obviously you're not allowed to drink the cup. So the bottom line is, what are we going to do this year? We're allowed to eat sudash lishit. What people want to eat meat or allowed to eat meat, drink wine, you're allowed to drink wine. Um, and have a regular full-blown meal. You can have 10 different uh, uh, courses. It's not a problem. However, that's all up until shkia. When the sun sets, it is now prohibited from eating. Ah, but there's a problem. How can we start doing acts that seem to imply Avelus contradicts Shabbat? So the answer is, by stopping to eat, we're not doing anything that seems to be showing that we are Avelus. People eat and then they stop eating. It's not clearly showing, doing something that shows we are Avelus. However, there are other things that we're not allowed to do. For example, we don't sit on the floor. Usually, Sudam Afseket, we sit by ourselves on the floor. We don't do a zimun. These things do not apply on Shabbat. You're allowed to do a zimun. You sit, you sit regularly. You're still in your Shabbat clothes. Everything as usual. There's a bit of a discussion. Should one have a communal um, Sudash Lishit on, um, on Shabbat Tisha B'Av? And the answer is that if you don't regularly have a communal Sudash Lishit, you shouldn't. But if you do have a regular communal Sudash Lishit, then one possibly can continue doing as one does regularly. But if you don't, I don't have a communal Sudash Lishit. So for me, it would be problematic Dafka the Shabbos to make a communal uh, Sudash Lishit. But as we said, the laws of Sudam of Seket don't apply pretty, uh, pretty much uh, this year. And you can have your regular meal on Shabbat. What else are the limitations on Shabbat? And I'll just say this out, uh, outside because it's not brought down in the sources, even though it's brought down in Shulchan Aruch. There is certain Avelut Betzina. It's about Machloket. Is there Avelut Betzina? Does, is there a certain type of personal private Avelut? And the bottom line is the halacha is 
that we apply this to the principles of marital relations. Marital relations on Tisha B'Av is on Tisha B'Av um, you are still not allowed, one's not allowed to have marital relations with one's uh, wife uh, on, Tisha, on, on that Shabbos uh, night. Um, other than that, pretty much everything uh, stays the same. There is one other nafkamina that we, well, I'll just say it now, even though we'll discuss it later on in the year, and that is Talmud Torah. Is one allowed to learn regular Talmud Torah the Shabbat? Where does this come from? There is a machloket between the Trumat Adeshen and the Marashal. The Trumat Adeshen says that Erev Tisha B'Av, one is not allowed to learn Torah similar to Tisha B'Av itself. I.e. one is only allowed to learn things that are distressing such as Eicha and, uh, and the laws of Abelut, etc. But general Torah learning we're not allowed to learn not only on Tisha B'Av, but also already on Tisha B'Av from noon onwards. That is the opinion of the Trumat Adeshen. The Marashal and others argue with him, but the Ramah seems to pass like the Trumat Adeshen. The Ramah says um, that the Minag was not too. Mishnah Burr brings a lot of Bahrainim, including the Taz and the Vilna Gaon, that said that the Ikar is you're allowed to learn whatever you want on Erev, uh, Erev Tisha B'Av. But there definitely seems to be the Ramah says not. What happens when Tisha B'Av is now going to be on Sunday? Right? So now is one allowed to learn Erev Tisha B'Av, which is Shabbos afternoon? So one could argue and say, well, how can you, how can you be sad on, uh, on Shabbat that contradicts Shabbat? And we say, any anything that contradicts how to learn on Shabbat, there's no limitation. Um, not even according to the opinion that you're not allowed to learn, such as the Trumat Adeshen, he says on Shabbat, but they're allowed to learn. However, there are Achronim that say not, that one should be limited. Surely this contradicts the laws of Shabbat. And this comes into a very fascinating machloket. Is there a mitzvah on Shabbat to be besimcha? We know that the problem of learning Torah is that it's mesameach, it causes simcha. That the laws of Akash Baruch Hu bring joy to one's heart. Is there a mitzvah to be sameach on Shabbat? We know the Torah tells us there's a mitzvah to be joyful on the festivals. Is there also a mitzvah to be joyous on Shabbat? We usually refer to another word when it comes to Shabbat, and that is oneg. There's a mitzvah to lit aneg, to have pleasure on Shabbat. Is pleasure the same as simcha? It seems not. And this seems to be a machloket between the achronim. <laughs> Is there a mitzvah of simcha on Shabbat as well? If there's a mitzvah of simcha on Shabbat, well, you cannot tell me that I have to have minagei avelut on Shabbat because that's a contradiction. And whenever there's a contradiction between the two, Shabbat wins. However, if you say, no, there's no obligation of simcha on Shabbat, right? Okay, so if there's no obligation of simcha and Learning Torah is masam chelev, and that would be a problem. So according to Samachroni, maybe one shouldn't be able to learn uh, Torah on, on Arab Shabbat, only things that are distressing. The Ramah seems to paskin l'chumra. The Ramah says we don't say pirkei avot um, on a mincha of Shabbat because of this din. He says we only learn. However, many Achronim, Mishabur basically says the Ikar is like the majority of Achronim who say that on Shabbat you can learn whatever you want. Since to begin with, the question of learning Erev Tisha B'Av is a question. So since this is considered Erev Tisha B'Av, Kalvachome on Shabbat itself, one doesn't have a problem. So bottom line, the only prohibitions that we do find are 
marital relations that's considered something private that one's not allowed to have on Shabbat. And there's a discussion about what you can learn on Shabbos afternoon. We most achronim are mekel, and you can learn what you want. And they say, other rabbi, someone who wants to be machmir, is going to be mabatel's man Torah, and that's not not a good thing. Okay, so we've concluded the second. What about now fasting? Let's jump into the actual uh, fast itself. Here's going to be another distinction that we have this year over other years. What obviously as someone who's healthy has to fast. We know that only the only fast from the Torah is Yom Kippur. And then there are other fast days, the four other fast days that are rabbinical. But of the most, and then the, the most important of the rabbinic fast days is Tisha B'Av. Regarding this, says the Shulchan Aruch in Arachayim, Tafkuf Nun, Everyone is obligated to fast these four rabbinic fasts, says Zerama. When it comes to pregnant women or women that are nursing, that are, uh, have great discomfort, these people don't need to fast, even if they're not in great discomfort, they don't have to fast. The minag was for them to fast. However, this leniency is referring to the first three fasts, rabbinic fasts. But the fourth rabbinic fast, pregnant woman and nursing woman have to complete the fast on Tisha B'Av. This is in general. We say that Tisha B'Av, according to the Shulchan Aruch, pregnant women have to fast. However, the Aruch HaShulchan says otherwise. The Aruch HaShulchan says, even regarding, and again, I'm talking about a regular Tisha B'Av, they are very weak, that they might become sick, even though there's no danger, they shouldn't fast. And this is a distinction between Tisha B'Av as opposed to Yom Kippur. On Yom Kippur, only if there is a danger do we say you don't fast. But regarding Tisha B'Av, even not in a place of danger, where there's a sickness, Chachamim didn't, um, didn't make such a decree. And let's see what the Piskei Tshuva writes regarding a regular Tisha B'Av. Regarding pregnant women, especially in the first few months, She's feeling weak, that she's becoming uh, um, uh, confused, dizziness, etc. Or uh, her, her blood, uh, um, her blood, what's it called? Pulse, no, her blood, um, whatever it is, is dropping. The, the uh, yeah, I suppose the pulse is dropping, or all of these things, uh, or lachatz dam. A blood pressure, that's the word I was looking for. If her blood pressure is dropping or going high, all of these things, we say she doesn't fast. Then says the Since we're living, especially in Israel, it's very, very hot, especially I think this year there's uh, going to be a, 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 um, we're in the middle of a heat wave. It's very accepted that many poskim tell women they don't have to fast, pregnant women they don't have to fast until the ninth month. What I want to add is, we've seen that the Aruch, even though the Shulchan Aruch says that pregnant women should fast, the Aruch Shulchan and the Piskei Shuvat and many, many modern poskim say today, we are generally, generally more lenient. When it comes to Tisha B'Av Shenidche, even those rabbis that are, take the more stringent approach adopt the opinion of the Aruch HaShulchan. And therefore this year, 
it is a lot easier for people that are sick or people or pregnant women or women that are um, nursing to uh, to to be able to break their fast and not fast um, and that's generally the accepted opinion amongst the majority of Akronim. Okay, um, let's just read the Yalkut Yosef. What happened? Hello? Well, I was that. on mute. I was on mute. No, I can hear you and I can see you. Okay, did, did you hear me about Rabovad Yosef? No. So Rabovad Yosef added two halachot. Halacha number one, a woman who is, uh, who is pregnant, who has just given birth for the first 32, 30 days, there's no question she doesn't have to fast on, on, on Tisha B'Av. The second thing is that he goes against the psak of the Shulchan Aruch. He adopts the opinion of the Aruch HaShulchan regarding pregnant women, even though there's no danger, even though there's no danger, if they are sick, they don't have to fast. Kal vachomer, how much more so in this year where Tisha B'Av is nidre, is postponed. Okay, let's move on to another topic, and that is washing. What happens regarding washing one of the prohibitions on Tisha B'Av 
is to wash. And this is based on the Gemara in Psachim Nundalet Amulbet. Says the Gemara Amar Abelazar Asur Lo LaAdam. It is prohibited for a person sheyoshit etzbao b'mayim betisha ba'av kederek sheasur lo shit etzbao yom kippurim. We know that it's prohibited even to wet his fingers into water on on yom kippur. So too on tisha ba'av. Now. The discussion over here is referring to washing for the sake of pleasure. What happens if I'm washing not for the sake of pleasure, but I'm doing it for the sake of a mitzvah? So in the case of a mitzvah such as Nitzilat Yadai, the Beit Yosef says as follows. Rabbeinu Yerucham. Rabbeinu Yerucham says, Hiskimu tosfot, that all the Baalei Tosafists Agree, that one is allowed to wash one's hands for the sake of a mitzvah, such as Natilat Yadayim in the morning. Nevertheless, one has to be careful to do Natilat Yadayim until one's knuckles, where one's fingers uh, separate. And not the entire hand, which we usually are makpi to do during the entire year, because me'ikaradin we only have to do up until the knuckles. Bezrat Hashem in volume thirteen will go into this further more in, in more depth of the laws of Natilat Yadayim, where exactly one has to do it. But for now, says about yourself, at least on Tisha B'av, you go according to me'ikaradin, which according to him is the knuckles, and therefore uh, basically washing the entire hand is a problem. And this is how the Shulchan Aruch rules. Not tell Yadam Shachrit, the Tarich Lizer Shaloyi told Yadav Ela Adsof Kishrei Etzba Otav until he he washes until the area where his fingers start to separate. The Ramah says, Vechein Kohen. Similarly, a Kohen. Our Lena Duchan Not tell Yadav. In Eretz Yisrael, we have do Birkat Kohanim. We don't do it in the, in the morning. We do it in the lichora. We're going to do it in the afternoon. About after pisha in Torah, the whole rov rechitzashe no mechuban ba litanug muteret. He says, even though there's really no reason to do natilat yadayim because meikradim, you only have to do that. It's, it's really a chumra that the hands might be impure. Nevertheless, since it's not for the sake of pleasure, and it's really a halachic issue. So it's muteret. The Kohanim are allowed to wash their hands. Now, how far should they wash their hands? I would think that they should wash their hands until the knuckles, meaning just as for Natilat Yadayim, for the sake of the mitzvah, we go meikaradin until the knuckles. So, so yeah, maybe we should go and calling uh, until the knuckles. However, says the Shari Tshuva, Vayen sham shekatav. Has to be until the the rest. According to the Shari Tshuva, the Kohanim in the Beit Hamikdash, when they did Natilat Yadayim, the Meikar Adin, it had to go until the rest and not until the knuckles. And therefore, our Kohanim today, who are basically following. The avoda have to do that as well. Let's see. Oh, that, that's a psak brought down also by the Mishnah Oh, In Eretz Yisrael, the Kohanim, it uh, seems to be that they can wash their hands as usual until the wrists. Another din is a person, let's say, goes to the bathroom. person goes to the bathroom, and now his hands are, are dirty. Is one allowed to wash one's hands uh, if there's dirt on one's hands? Says the Shulchan Aruch in Tafkuf Nun Dalet, Imayu Yadav Meluchlachot Betit of If one's hands were filthy with other um, mud or with other um, feces or anything like that, Mutar Lirchot Lavira Lichlot, one is permitted to get rid of it. And by the way, um, he's not limiting it to, to the knuckles or to the wrist. If a person has a, a, a dirt on his hands, he's allowed to wash it off. However, then says the right? But you shouldn't wash, you only need to wash what's dirty. So there, there's no point, you know, 
You're not like uh, do a surgical scrub. You should do whatever is, wherever the dirt is, that's what you have to wash and nothing, nothing less and nothing more. Says the Mishnah Bura. They know Asur, why is this permitted? They know Asur, it's only the problem, Meikaradin, is washing for the sake of pleasure. Mitamze, and based on this, Nashima Mevashlot, Srikot, Lirchotzabasar, after Mimele Rochotzot Gam, Yadea Mutar. A woman's washing the meat, she's preparing the food for Motzei Chag. So, she's, is she prepare, allowed to prepare the food? Says the Mishnah Bura, it seems that it's okay, even though she's going to be washing. Why? Because in principle, she's not doing it for the sake of pleasure. Since she's not doing it for the sake of pleasure, it would be permitted. Based on this, one could argue, is one runner allowed to wash the dishes? Let's say the dishes from, uh, from Erev, from, from Shabbos, the dishes from Shabbos. Is one allowed to wash the dishes? Now, obviously, one's hands are going to get wet, but it's not for Tanuk, it's not for pleasure. Here, Moshe Feinstein dealt with this uh, um, question. Let's skip to the. Uh, this is the the Mishnah Brura with the version of Dirshu. What about washing vessels on Tisha B'av? The uh, opinion of Rab Moshe Feinstein. It's not in Igrot Moshe, but it's in Shmaitat the Moshe. If you don't need the plates, you, it is prohibited. Similarly, this was the opinion of Rav Ava Ben Sion Chau. He says the problem here is that one is doing actions that is removing oneself from focusing on the Avelut. But then he added, but after Chatzot, it is permitted. Because this is part of your preparations of the Suda, just as you're allowed to prepare food, even though one could argue it's Hesachadat, but it's needed for Motsei Tishabab. So, yeah, one would be permitted after Chatzot. A woman who is preparing food for the after the fast or for her children who are on fasting, she's permitted to wash the, the fruits or whatever it is. In the end of the day, this is not considered washing for the sake of pleasure. One could argue that in the end of the day, one is still going to get benefit, one is still going to get pleasure. Since her main focus is to remove the dirt, this is not considered um, a rechitza of pleasure. Okay, let's move on uh, quickly to another two topics. One of them is wearing tefillin, and the second one is learning Torah. Let's start with what the Gemara says in Masechet Ha'anit, Taflamed Amodal. Ve'asu likrot ba'torah b'nevim v'ketuvim v'lishnot b'mishnah b'talmud mishrah v'alachot v'agadot. On Tisha B'Av, it is prohibited to read from the Torah, nevim, ketuvim, i.e. Torah she'bichtav, as well as Torah she'balpeh, Mishnah, the Gemara, Midrash, etc. Then the, the Gemara continues. So opinion number one is that you're allowed to basically learn something that you're not familiar with. Because since you're not familiar with it, it's going to cause you a bit of distress. Uh, and all of these things. So according to the, the, the first opinion in the Gemara, Basically, you're allowed to do two things. You're allowed to wash, you know, learn sad things such as Yirmiyahu and Eicha, but you're also allowed to learn something that not, you're not familiar with. The Shulchan Aruch, when he codifies the Salacha, he says as follows. 
‫ואסור לקרוא בתורה נביאים כתובים ‫ולשלוף במשנה ובמדרש ‫בגמורה והלכה ובאגדה. ‫אינני קרוץ לפסוק, ‫משום שנאמר, ‫פקודי השם ישרים מסמכי לב, ‫the precepts of השם are just, ‫and therefore they are going to cause joy to our heart. ‫ותינוקות של בית רגם בטלים בו, ‫and also we make the children not learn, ‫אבל קוראו באיוב ודברים רעים שבירמיה. The Shulchan Aruch left out something mentioned in the Gemara. You're allowed to learn, the Gemara said, you're allowed to learn in places that you not usually uh, learn. The Shulchan Aruch did not pass in that opinion. He passed that basically, we only allow learning things that are said, such as laws of Avelot and Eicha, etc. And the Kapa Chaim says, based on this, the Kach Psakim, sorry, just before before we get to before we get to the Kafachaim, it's very interesting. The source for the prohibition of learning Torah on Tisha B'Av is this Pasuk brought down that the precepts of the Torah, basically learning Torah, causes joy to the heart, and we are not allowed to be joyous on Tisha B'Av. One would think that this law is very similar to the laws of Avelut. The laws of Avelut, there the Gemara in Moed Katan also says it's us to learn Torah, but brings another Pasuk. He quotes the Pasuk, the Gemara quotes the Pasuk, Halnek Dom, that one has to sigh in silence. And based on that Pasuk, we don't learn Torah. Is there a distinction between Ha'anek Dom versus the Pasuk of Pekudei Hashem Yesharim Masam Chelev that Torah causes us to be joyous and therefore we're not allowed to learn? Rashi understands that they're one and the same, meaning why do you have to be silent? Because the Torah makes you, it will cause you to be feel joyful. So that's why. However, according to that logic, an Avel is allowed to learn things like what we're allowed to learn on Tisha B'Av, such as Yirmiyahu and Eicha and Avelu. Rabbeinu Tam argued. Rabbeinu Tam originally in his youth argued with Rashi, and he said, no, he said, Ha'anek Dom is not connected to the Pasuk of Masam Chelev. Ha'anek Dom, a person has to do in, in his Avelu, science silence, is completely disconnect from Torah learning. Legamre, you're not allowed to learn Torah at all. That, by the way, was it seems to be the opinion of the Rambam. The Rambam seems to imply that when a person is an Abel, he's not allowed to learn Torah at all. Tisha B'av, he's allowed to learn things that are distressing, such as Eicha, etc., Yilchot Avelot, etc. Because Tisha B'av, the verse is, does it cause you joy or not? Mesam but regarding Avelut, there's a separate pasuk called Ha'anek Dom. Those who want to look, uh, learn uh, this discussion further, at the end of this uh, sefer, there is an excellent article by Rav Yonatan Gilbert who discusses this matter more in depth. So I've just given you the two basic opinions, the one of Rashi that says the one and the same, and the opinion of the Rambam, who was originally the, uh, the opinion of Rabbeinu Tam, but in the end Rabbeinu Tam uh, recanted his opinion and agreed with his grandfather Rashi. Okay, but bottom line is let's stick with the laws of Tisha B'Av. When it comes to Tisha B'Av, it seems that everyone agrees that the problem is that it's making you joyful, and there's certain parts of the Torah that they don't make you joyful, and therefore it is it is permitted to learn, such as Eicha, etc. There's the Kafachaim. And the chain takim or hidushim sheshama or shechidesh, but the rim of mutarim likot betishaba, mutar lekot vam betishaba, midim davar haaveid the shari. This is interesting. Here we talk, he says, if a person learns something that is permitted to learn and he comes up with a chidush, he's allowed to write it down because of a davar haaveid. Davar haaveid means it is something of value that is going to be lost. Where do we find this principle of Davar Aved? This is a concept that we find generally regarding Hilchot Cholam that although there's a prohibition of doing work, 
when it's going to be a loss, davar ha'aved, it is permitted. This idea is also transcripted into the laws of Tisha B'Av, at least regarding this issue, according to the Kafachai. What about learning Torah as part of our tefillah? Many parts of our davening incorporate laws, uh, pieces of Talmud Torah. So what are we meant to do? Are we meant to change our Siddur for, for, for Tisha B'Av? Let's see what the Torah writes. The Katava Ramban, Ramban writes, all of these things that we say, you know, these are really bright than Mishnayot. They are basically Torah, Talmud Torah. So he says there were there was a minag of many communities not to recite these on Tisha B'Av. The Fishasuli but says the tour, he doesn't agree. Levisha Einlanu Isur Besaider Hayom Share Korin Kriachma Mavarchim Lapanea Lachare. He says, according to their logic, how we allow to recite Kriachma. Vachin Korin Batora Maftirin Benavi. How we allow to read from the Torah in the Navi. Perke Korbanot Vezum a command can neger a tami tiknua. Vomerke da ko. He says this is part of the takanot that Chazal instituted as a some type of supplement uh, for the korbanot that we don't have, and therefore we can say it without any concern. How does the Shulchan Aruch rule? Says the Shulchan Aruch, Basically, according to the Shulchan Aruch, he says, no problem, we accept the opinion of the Torah, and basically you can do this. However, in the Ramah says, It's a bit of an ambivalent statement of the Ramah. It is permitted to go over the parish on Tisha B'Av. There seems to be a machloket achronim, how to understand the wording of the Ramah. Some achronim wanted to say, it's referring to the Baal Kore. The Baal Kore needs to practice his laning. He's permitted to do it on, uh, on Tisha B'Av. Anachronim say no. It's referring to your regular person. He does shnei mikra vechat targum. Even that is permitted on Tisha B'av. So that's a machloket of achronim. Um, what about tehillim? Is one allowed to say tehillim on Tisha B'av? So says the Yalkut Yosef. Any kroti lim b'Tisha B'av. One shouldn't say tehillim on Tisha B'av. I'm a kel b'zei yeshlo amali smoch. But one who does say yes, who to rely on. These are things that are, are more familiar to the Svardi community. These things he said, one shouldn't be machmir, uh, sorry, one should be machmir, that one should not read it on Tisha B'Av. Okay, um, I'm just going to go, jump to Tfilin. Uh, Tfilin, where is there an Isur to, to wear Tfilin on Tisha B'Av? We know that there is an Isur to wear tefillin on the first day of Avelut. The question is, does this apply also to Tisha B'Av or not? This seems to be a machloket rishonim, whether we say that also on Tisha B'Av there's a prohibition of wearing tefillin. And what is the maskana that the poskim came up with? The maskana was that the na'agu the Beit Yosef brings the opinion that top, we're going to make some type of compromise. We won't put on Tfilin on uh, Shachrit in the morning. Rather, we would turn in the afternoon. And that's how the Shulchan Aruch rules. Nor a Talit Gadol. You just wear a regular tzitzit without making a bracha. And afterwards at mincha, that's when we are allowed to you know, put on our tefillin and also make a bracha and on our talit gadol. This is not a universal psak. The Ben Ishchai argued. Ben Ishchai says, "Beyond Tisha B'Av, Yaniach tzitzit utfilin Rashi v'Rabbeinu Tam b'Boker b'Veito." That he. Um, People should, should put their tefillin on in the morning at home, not in private. 
and and afterwards goes to Shul. The Yalkut Yosef brings down an interesting Minag Yerushalmi. I don't know if, this, if many people in Yerushalayim do this. Apparently, Minag Yerushalayim nitpalel shachrit v'tishabah imatzibur v'talit u'tfilin. The Yerushalayim seems counterintuitive. Yerushalayim, you'd think that the Minag Yerushalayim was super strong, and generally they are, but apparently they would put on tfilin and uh, and uh, talit gadol in shachrit. Says the Yalkut Yosef, those who want to have that custom, that's not a problem. And those that follow the Shulchan Aruch and follow their Minag should do it. And bottom line is, his, his most important thing, says Rabbi Vadi Yosef, is that there shouldn't be two Minagim. Everyone with the Shul should decide. Either everyone's putting on tefillin in shachrit, or everyone's putting tefillin on on minchak. Um, another minhag that is brought down is removal of the parochet. Where does this come from? The noagin lasirat parochet miaron akodesh says the kitzur shulchan aruch mishum dichtiv based on a pasuk in echa bitza imrato. He tore his. Imrato is his word, but Imrato can also mean his clothing. So Ki'ilu HaKadosh Baruch Hu tore his clothing. So in order to kind of re... Uh, whatever that means, HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't, obviously doesn't have clothes, but the, the tearing of Hashem's clothes, so the closest thing that we can think of is the parochet, we tear it, and that is... So that's why we remove the parochet, at least in the more, in the evening and uh, the morning of, of Tisha B'Av. That's another well-known uh, minag. Now, the Shulchan Aruch rules. Yachid, uh, we've only got five minutes, so I'm just going to, uh, I'm going to say this out loud. The Shulchan Aruch says that a, the, whether we should say anenu or not is a discussion, because the concern is that if I say anenu and then I break my fast, I'm, I'm basically a shakran, I'm a liar. So what do we do? So here there's a machloket between the Shulchan Aruch and the Ramah. The Shulchan Aruch basically says, and this is Asvardim, apparently uh, Paskin, they say Anenu right from the beginning. Three times, Ma'ariv, uh, Shachrit, Mincha, they say Anenu. The Ramah takes the approach, right, that you do not say Anenu until you get to Mincha. Apparently Mincha, um, you know, if you've got that far, then then you're not considered, a, even if you break your fast after, it's not considered that you're a shakran. And the shaliach tzibur can even say it from shakran. So that's a machloka between Sarim Ashkenazim, between the Ramah and the Shulchan Aruch, whether one says aneinu or not. Um, okay, let's just, I'm, I'm just trying to uh, think what we can cover in the last, uh, ah, sitting upon the floor. So, the uh, the Torah that in Tisha B'Av and Ochayav B'Kviyat Ametav and Ovatipat Rosh and Ogot B'Avelut, right? The Torah says you don't have to turn over your beds. In the times of the Chazal, they used to turn over their beds when they were in mourning and cover their faces. It says you don't have to do that on Tisha B'Av. Why? The Had the Tanya Komitzot and Ogot B'Avel and Ogot B'Tisha B'Av. The Brighter says that everything that applies to an Avel applies on Tisha B'Av. That's referring to negative commandments. Meaning you're not allowed to wash and you're not allowed to do this. Aval mitzvah say to sit or to turn one's bed over. That is not the same. A positive action that we have to do when we are veiling, we don't necessarily have to do on Tisha B'av. That is the opinion of the Torah. The Shulchan Aruch rules. Based on this comparison, the Ramah, the Shulchan Aruch basically adopts the opinion of the Torah. There's only a prohibition on negative commandments, not on positive actions. So you don't need to make Radin lie on the floor. However, there's a minak to do such a thing. Says the Ramah, one should make oneself discomforted on the night of Tisha B'Av. 
‫שאם רגיל נשכב בשתי כרים, ‫לא ישכב קים באחד. ‫אם יש בני אדם מסיימים ‫אבן תחום מרעשותיהם, ‫זכר למה שנאמר, ‫some people put a stone underneath it, ‫אבל הוא אומר, ‫כל הדבר הזה, ‫אם אתה סיכוי, ‫אתה לא יכול לעשות את זה, ‫אבל הפעמים היא שאתה צריך ‫לנסות את הפלאזר על תשעה באב. The Mishabur says, since it's not Meikaradin, the person who's weak doesn't have to lie on the floor. And I think most people today don't lie on the floor, but they just sleep with a bit of uncomfortable, you know, with less pillows, etc., etc., things like that. Okay. Um, now, based on this, one should, one could argue that one doesn't have to sit on a low chair like an Abel, right? Nevertheless, says a Beit Chadash. The Maram was one that sat on the floor. Says the Bait Chadash, the Maram didn't do this Meikaradin. He brought a proof for the Minag. But this Minag was only until Mincha, because then the majority of Avelut is passed and one is allowed to sit on chairs. However, the Bach points out that people think, oh, After Mincha, you know, now it's come Chatzot, I'm allowed to put on my leather shoes. No, he says, you've got to distinguish between what's Meikaradin, such as wearing leather shoes, and what is not Meikaradin, sitting on the floor. Sitting on the floor is not Meikaradin, it's a Minag, and uh, since it's only a Minag, after Chatzot, one can be lenient. But wearing leather shoes would be problematic. Okay, we'll end up with that. Bezrat Hashem, uh, we won't have to fast. But uh, if we do, and the Beit HaMikdash isn't, uh, uh, isn't built by then, please God, it should be a meaningful and, uh, and, uh, and, and meaningful fast, and everyone should come out healthy and bari and uh, think. Next week, there won't be a shiur. Next week, I'll be away. There won't be a shiur, so we'll carry on in two weeks' time. Bezrat Hashem. Yashakrach to everyone. Okay. Shkach. Shkach. Shkach.